before I start this talk, it's an unusual thing for me to do, um, but actually, we're going to be looking at being a servant church today, and I just wanted to dedicate this talk, I can feel the emotion already, so I'm going to push through, um, to Doug Squires. Many of you won't know Doug, but many of you will, and Doug died this week. And he was a servant of the Lord, and he's been on the journey with us here at Trent uh, for this last 20 years. And he's, yeah, been an amazing servant. So I'm just dedicating this talk to Doug. And uh, we'll just hold up Tina. So we'll just hold up Tina in our prayers. That's where Helen is. She's gone to see Tina this morning. Well, I want to start by, um, it's a little health warning on this one. It's not just about serving in church. We are being a serving church, but we want to be the best best church for our city, not the best church in the city. We want to be a serving church that looks outward uh, and meets needs wherever the Lord leads us. Now, have you ever had... um, the experience, have you ever enjoyed the experience of being served? In a way that left you either overwhelmed, surprised, um, just took your breath away. Was it a surprise birthday cake that they produced at work and everyone gathered around to celebrate you? I'm still waiting for that to happen one day. But, you know. <laughs> um, or perhaps you've been to a restaurant where you were just amazed at the attentive service that the staff gave you. Obviously, you will have paid a lot more for that meal. But, um, or perhaps you've been on a holiday and your hotel was amazing. As you arrived, they carried your cases in. You were shown to your room and called sir or madam. Um, that happened to me once and I sort of held on to my case not knowing what they were doing. You know, but these things, they can have a profound effect on us. We feel valued, special, important, wanted, even loved. And in a nutshell, that's why being a serving church, it's so important. We want people from all walks of life, when they come into this, the life of this church, to experience those things to experience God's love so that they would feel valued special important wanted loved here at Trent now on a personal note let me tell you about one guy in our city he's not in our church who's an who is amazing at serving let me just set the scene for you on a Monday I fast uh, which just means I don't eat until 6 p.m. I, I just found it, for all sorts of reasons, it's a habit I've developed, and uh, I've been really blessed by it, actually. It's a great thing to do. I would encourage you to, to sort of embrace a time of fasting in your week if you can. But, so, Tuesday mornings are very special to me because I get up for the men's prayer meeting, which is at 7 o'clock here, and that's a plug for all you men that uh, want to join us. There's usually about 20 of us, 15, 20. And 
I'm excited because I know it's an, it's an eating day. So I don't mind getting up early. And what I often, oops, what I occasionally do is that as a special treat to myself on the back of a fast day, I go to the McDonald's drive through before I come to the men's prayer meeting. And there's this one guy there, and he is incredible at serving. He is so polite, attentive, cheerful. Nothing is too much trouble for him. And he just makes me smile. He inspires me every time I've been served by him. And obviously, this Tuesday just gone, I left early um, just to check if he was there. And he was there. So, of course, I ordered my sausage and egg McMuffin with my latte. They were wonderful. Um, But I wanted to say to him, well done, good and faithful servant. And then it occurred to me, that would probably sound a bit weird. (laughs) And that's really God's job, not mine. But instead, I told his boss how impressed I was with his service as I went to pick up my stuff. Can you think of someone who inspires you with the way they serve people? It could be from any walk of life. It might be someone within the life of this church, but it might be somebody in your workplace, where you study. But can you think of someone? Does anyone come to mind? And if you've got a person in mind, have you ever told them? that you're impressed and inspired by the way they serve. Whether it's serving you or others. Just to encourage them. Now, if you could organise an orderly queue at the Connect area after this talk, I'll just come over to there for the encouragement. (laughs) I'm joking. (laughs) But that, that the power of encouragement as we serve is quite phenomenal. I just want to show you a few pictures of someone who has recently inspired me greatly. It's our queen. Here she is, serving in her early days as war broke out. And then the next picture, she's receiving a rose from a well-wisher, you know, just after Diana had died. And then finally, here she is praying... Uh, and it, it had been a particularly bad year. Her mother and her sister had died. Um, and the thing about the Queen that's incredible, there's a booklet out. I don't know whether it's easy to get hold of it. The servant Queen and the King she serves, and the King she's referring to is God. And um, there's some fascinating things. I had no idea what a godly Queen we have. And uh, reading that booklet, and I'm going to use a few bits, is really inspiring the way in so many ways she has served God by serving uh, the people of the UK I'm hoping as we go through today's talk that we'll all catch afresh the vision of being servants of the living God and we'll be looking at three things I'll mention them briefly but we don't need to start the slide yet why be a servant and serve be the first thing What is the purpose of serving? And then how does Jesus expect us to serve? So, why be a servant and serve? Well, God rescued us because he loves us. 
you know, we serve in response to God's love. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our, in our transgressions, in our sins. It is by grace you have been saved. God has saved us because he loves us. Another reason why. God has given us a free gift, eternal life. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. We can't earn it. And this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. It's amazing what God has done for us. And we were created to serve God. Uh, verse 10. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. As I said, Queen Elizabeth is a shining example of this. And what's special about her is that she understood that her authority was not conferred on her by Parliament, and it, nor was it inherited from her earthly dad, the king, but it came from God. And it is to him that she would be ultimately accountable. And she really knew that. At her coronation on the 2nd of June 1953, 27 million people watched on TV. And that was more than half of the UK population at that time. And then another 11 million listened on radio. But the significance of the event was not that a lot of people watched it. The significance lies not in the display of grand symbols and stunning robes and the horse-drawn, elegant, um, whatever, yeah, cart, I suppose it is, really. But there was all of the pomp and ceremony, that was not what made this significant. The significance lies in the Queen's understanding of what she was committing herself to do. Every element of the service pointed in one direction. She was vowing to serve her people as a servant of God. She was presented with an object described in the service as the most valuable thing that this world affords. And it was the Bible. The most valuable thing that this world affords. How many of us take our Bibles for granted? sit on a shelf, we were busy, it's true of me too. I, I, I felt convicted that we need to really remind ourselves just what God has given us in the Bible. Now there was a secret part of the ceremony, um, one moment that was not televised and it was considered too sacred to show. The symbols of the Queen's status are removed the crimson velvet robe, the diamond diadem, the coronation necklace. And then we come to this point. There she is in a simple white dress. She looks like a bride. There's a ring, but no groom. Elizabeth is not giving herself to a husband, but to a people. And at that point, the archbishop anoints her with holy oil, and pours it over her to show that she's being set apart to serve and love her people. 
55 years later, the Queen said this in her 2008 Christmas broadcast. I hope that, like me, you will be comforted by the example of Jesus of Nazareth, who often in circumstances of great adversity managed to live an outgoing, unselfish, and sacrificial life. He, Jesus, makes it clear that genuine human happiness and satisfaction lie more in giving than receiving, more in serving than in being served. It's another reason why we serve. It's more life-giving. We will experience abundant life more as we serve others. It may surprise you to know that in God's eyes, we are all equally important. There are no second-class citizens in God's family. In a sense, we are all royalty because of what God has done. And we have a lot to be thankful for. We've been adopted into God's family, given a future, an eternal one. So it's important that we don't take God's love for granted. We don't just consume his love, his provision. And we live in a time when celebrity is highly valued. And the thought of being a servant, it's really not valued in the culture we live in. Many people have a thirst to be famous. They go to extraordinary lengths to achieve this. And can you think of some people who auditioned for the TV show Britain's Got Talent that were just deluded? It was very entertaining on one level. But that, it sort of reveals that sort of appetite, that desire that is of the flesh, not of God's spirit, to be significant and special in a, in a celebrity way. 1 Samuel 12, 24. But be sure to fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. Consider what great things he has done for you. Now, do you know how God viewed the really famous characters of the Bible? The sort of Bible celebrities that we'd love to meet and uh, chat to one day. Abraham, Moses, there was David, Mary, the mother of Jesus. There were many more, but there are just a few. And they're all members of God's family, members of his people. Let me just read a few verses of what the Bible says about them. Genesis 26, 24, God speaks to Isaac. That night the Lord appeared to him and said, I am, the Lord, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bless you and will increase the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. God speaking to Joshua in Joshua 1.7. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. And then in Luke 1, 38, Mary's just had a, the angel visitor just telling her that she's about to become pregnant, um, but she's not married. And, and the way she responds to that news is, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. And the Israelites, the Jewish people, they, they had a clear understanding that they were God's servants. 
both individually and as a people. Verse 54 of 1 uh, Luke 1. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful. And yet I think that's something in our culture and in our society that we have lost. This understanding, this identity, even as Christians, that we are God's servants. Yes, we are his family, we're his children, but we're called to serve. And why? Why serve? Well, to honour and acknowledge God. And serving, it's a practical demonstration of our faith in Jesus. And it pleases God. We can't please God without faith. That's why we serve. My second point, what is the purpose of serving? Well, I found these verses and I find it quite thought-provoking because serving is how God measures greatness. Matthew 20, 25 to 28. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over you, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now there are some remarkable servants um, from this church who have been called overseas by God and sent by us, his church here at Trent Vineyard. So I just want to show you uh, just a couple of minute clip of serving abroad, the people from here serving abroad.
You know, we serve to see the kingdom of God extended overseas. And I'll show you another video of some of the ways we serve in the life of this church towards the end. You know, a serving church is made up of servants. And if we don't embrace that identity and choose to serve one another and demonstrate God's love in practical ways, not just amongst ourselves, but in the communities, the cities, the towns that God has placed us in, then we won't be able to demonstrate God's love at all. Serving inspires others and generates hope, especially in tough times. And on Christmas Day 1939, King George VI speaks to the nation and the Commonwealth. You know, we're just going to war. What do you say to a nation that still bears the scars of World War I, in which more than nine million British and Commonwealth soldiers died? What do you say when you know that what lies ahead is the loss of many more lives and terrible suffering? And at the time, our Queen was just 13 years old still living in Buckingham Palace, and she handed her father a poem by Minnie Louisa Haskins that she thought might be helpful as he prepared. It was the king, it, it was helpful, and the king quoted this poem in his broadcast. I'll just show you the picture, and I'll read the poem out. It's really profound. I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year, give me a light that I may tread safely into the unknown. And he replied, go out into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. That shall be to you better than light and safer than a known way. You know, coming from a 13-year-old girl that the Lord was already moving in her life that she would even be aware of that poem and these words stirred and strengthened the hearts of millions at that terrible time and none of us have lived through a time like that serving it also responds to needs the needs of others that's a purpose of it and it shows people that we really care 1 John 3, 16 to 18. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Now, another tragic event's happened this week. On Thursday, MP Joe Cox, the MP for Batley and Spen in North Yorkshire, was at work serving her local constituency when she was murdered. A terrible tragedy. And her husband said this on the day. Today is the beginning of a new chapter in our lives, more difficult, more painful, less joyful, 
less full of love. I and Joe's friends and family are going to work every moment of our lives to love and nurture our kids and to fight against the hate that killed Joe. You see, serving is working against hatred. Serving is a way of um, being a light in a dark place. Before she was attacked in 2015, uh, sorry, before she was elected in the 2015 election, she'd also worked for charities including Oxfam, Save the Children, and the NSPCC. You see, another purpose of serving is that it makes a difference. And we're all called to make a difference, whether that's in the life of this church, in, in the lives of our families, um, in the workplace, where, on our neighbourhood streets, wherever we are, we can make a difference by serving. And we've just got to ask God, God, have you something prepared for me to do today that would demonstrate your love in a practical way by serving those around me in need? That's my question. Are we doing that? Are we making a difference? Are we making a difference in our communities, in this city, in this land? As a church, I really believe we are. It's amazing how this church has there's so many um, servant-hearted people doing incredible things. And it is a challenging thought. Do you remember the impact of serving? You know, do you remember that feeling you had when somebody served you? Just want to remind you of that, that why. It's part of the purpose. So that people can feel valued, special, important, wanted, and loved. And in that, as we serve others, do you know what happens to us? God develops our character. We become more like Christ as we do it. It's an amazing thing. It's a sort of deep work within us. So we've looked at why and we've looked at the purpose. Now let's just look at how does Jesus expect us to serve. And it's fairly simple. Humbly, selflessly, thoughtfully, and even controversially. I think Dave in Japan working with the noise, that, that's controversial for me. I just couldn't do it. But it's great that he's got a heart, not for the music, well, the noise, but for the people. And there's such a high proportion of the Japanese that commit suicide. And there's so few Christians. It's just incredible what God's doing through them. John 13, 12 to 14. This is what Jesus said. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. Now, in our day and age, that doesn't really sound controversial. We don't really understand 
the meaning of it. Nobody washes anybody else's feet anymore. It's a shame. Um, but there's a sense in which what Jesus was doing was turning the values of that time upside down. It was considered such a demeaning role that even a Jewish servant was not expected to wash people's feet as they journeyed and traveled and arrived at a home. It was only for Gentile servants. So Jesus was saying, he took on the role of the lowest of the low and served in a way that would challenge them and would confuse them. And I think he wants to do that today. Where would you not want to go? Who do you think doesn't deserve being served? Those are the sort of people you are most likely to be sent to. Not just for their good, but just to recalibrate our values. We are all equally loved and valued in the eyes of our creator. That's what serving does. It helps us. It enriches our lives. Now, we're rapidly approaching the 20th birthday of Trent Vineyard. So I just thought, as I come towards the end, that I'd just reminisce about how I first got involved at Trent and how it impacted me. Helen and I were married. We had four daughters. We still have, we're still married and we still have four daughters, so that's great. <laughs> And um, our oldest, Katie, was nine. And, and our youngest was just a few months old, Molly. And Lucy and Bethan were in between that. And uh, we got involved at Trent all those years ago. And I'd gone through the selection process with the Church of England uh, as a response to feeling prompted. And, and I'd been rejected. And I was hurting, lacking in confidence, and a bit lost. What's changed, some of you might say. <laughs> but that's really where I was really walking wounded at that time. And the vision John and Debbie had was exciting and compelling. We came along to the early meetings and we just felt that we'd come home. Wow, finally church can happen in a way that we can just be ourselves. We came just wanting to find that place to belong and we just quietly joined in, serving and supporting the team that had come from, to Nottingham to plant the church. There was just John and Debbie, their two boys, and uh, six other adults, full of faith. They sacrificed homes and jobs to serve Jesus by helping get the church off the ground. And they all had a hard time. It was really difficult for them. Jesus already had people waiting here in Nottingham who were keen to see a vineyard established in this city. I think there were 37 adults, I think, that were at the first meeting in September 1996. It was very exciting. Church in a pub function room on a midweek evening. I've never heard of anything like it. Coming from a Catholic background and then becoming a Christian when I came to live in Nottingham and then had 17 years in the Anglican church, this was so different. The Holy Spirit was moving as people prayed for one another. I had no idea that I would end up as a pastor or on staff. I'd let that dream die. I just loved putting my shoulder to the plow and serving in any way that was needed. I got healed up and restored by serving. 
quietly behind the scenes. I remember being on the setup team when we had Sunday services at the Notts County football ground. We arrived early to clean up the rooms, which had often had parties on the Saturday night before. They were often in the right state. We, set, we cleaned them up, and then we set out the chairs um, and the OHPs, the overhead projectors, if any of you remember those. It was a lot of work, but I loved the challenge. And by the time people were arriving for the service, I was heading for the men's toilets to get changed because um, the setup had been quite a workout. And, and the satisfaction of serving God was enormous. For me, I'd already worshipped before the service had begun. You know, it, just that act of serving and setting up for others felt like such a worshipful act. I still think back on those days with fond memories. And this church has been built on the willing efforts of so many cheerful servants over the years. It's amazing what God has done through his servants here at Trent Vineyard over the last 20 years. And many of you are sitting in this room, if not all of you. That's my hope that all of us are embracing serving. It's such a hallmark of this church. And, you know, that's, you know, that's why... When we ask the question, how does Jesus expect us to serve? These verses in Philippians are so relevant. Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. You know, there are many ways to serve in the life of the church here at Trent. And, the, you know, there's the reason, the purpose, are very important. We want it to serve so that people can come to know Jesus as they experience a loving, welcoming, non-judging community. God's family who know how to serve one another cheerfully, willingly, and sacrificially. Let's look at this, uh, this last two-minute clip of serving here at Trent. Well, hi, my name's Dan. I'm one of the youth leaders here at Trent Youth, and tonight is Tuesday night. We've got loads happening. Climbing wall, sports hall, small groups, worship, cafe. It's loads of fun. Let's get involved. I love being a part of Trent Youth. Um, the team is amazing. Being able to give something back, um, for so long you can come on a Sunday morning and um, be fed, which is fantastic. And finally it's really good to be able to give something back um, and to be part of hopefully being able to feed the younger generation to come. Well I enjoy welcoming people, giving them a smile and a hot drink. And just sometimes it's the first time I've spoken to them since they came into the program. Yeah, it's that sense of fulfillment that comes with it. Uh, knowing that uh, you are serving the church and uh, serving people, it gives you that uh, uh, 
sense of fulfillment and it affords you to build relationships. Hi, I'm Cathy Iverson, some of what goes on at the Arches. It's a great place to get involved, so come and join us. My name is Dom, I'm on DY and as part of that we get an amazing opportunity to serve the Arches here and understand a little bit of the community that they have here. I've just met two boys that are, that are my age that have come from Eritrea, it's taken about a year, they have nothing, they have no food, no family. Absolutely, it's heartbreaking but it's amazing to be able to pray with them, share a little bit about how Jesus can, can change lives and hopefully they'll come back to, to Trent again. But yeah, I wouldn't be able to do any of this if I had a normal 9 to 5 job and being able to serve out on DYs, it's amazing. Now, if you're not already serving in the life of the church, there may be a good reason. It may be that you're very committed elsewhere at work or in, in some other way. So this is not a recruiting drive to get you all to sign up to something. Please hear that. But if you do want to find out more and, and find a way of serving you know, a couple of hours a month in some way, there's so much choice. And you will meet people and you will start to feel more connected and, and able to be belong to this in a way that you may be not experiencing now and I would encourage you go and chat to them at the connect area you know having said that you know I would not want people to be trying to serve out of some sort of sense of duty genuinely we have a city that has many needs and you know it may be that God's calling you to serve in some way out there and it's our privilege and joy to support you in that. So whatever the situation, as long as you're going before the Lord, inquiring of him, asking our king, how can we serve him? 